destructive, rebellious, operatic. From the Marquee Club of London's Underground to the teenage wasteland of Woodstock, the Who were truly in a class of their own. Even with competition like the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, and Led Zeppelin, the four-man team of vocalist Roger Daltrey, guitarist Pete Townsend, bassist The Ox John Entwistle, and drummer Keith Moon could still be seen for miles. From raunchy and explosive hard rock to orchestrating and epitomizing the rock opera, even 58 years later, The Who still maintains a loyal fan base that spans generations. K99's Nancy Wilson. You know, I, it was like back in the day, everybody was into the Rolling Stones over there and the Led Zeppelin, but I was like a big Who fan just because of every personality in that band is so different and so unique. You, know, you got Roger with his growling vocals and and John, who played bass like nobody else. Pete, of course, goes without saying, and Keith Moon was just insane. And Naturally. could drum, you know? And could drum, yes. And could, was an amazing drummer. And I saw the movie, The Kids Are All Right, and I've seen it over and over and over again. I just fell in love. WHIO Sergeant Mark Bowron. You know, every guitarist has a style, and when you—that's the interesting thing about playing guitar. And Pete Townsend's got it; he's got a very unique style. They describe his as being very aggressive. It's like you know those—he does those windmill hits on a guitar. It's—it's always—it's a really good aggressive tone. Guitar players are always looking for that tone, that really good sound. You know that, especially with distortion. And I, I like I like Pete. Uh, Pete Townsend's got a great tone on his guitar. A lot of that has to do with what kind of amp he's using. Uh, but I've always been a big fan of his style of playing. Every time they always do one of these, who the hundred best guitarists of all time, he usually winds up in the top ten or fifteen most of the time. Pete Townsend is not a um, like what you would say like a virtuoso player, like an Eddie Van Halen or a Hendrix. Yeah, he's more of a. I th- I'd say he's more of a rhythm player, kind of like Keith Richards, but he's just got great. He's got great style and he knows how to make the guitar fit within the context of the song. My dad, Ron Allen. I think what makes the Who so unique as a band is, in my opinion, the leads of the group are Keith Moon and John Entwistle. Their virtuoso styling is so complex. I mean, they were doing eighth notes and stuff like that, you know, in the 60s. It's just like everything runs off them. I mean, I love Daltrey and Townsend, but they're what the who is. WHIO's Chris Collins. Well, you know, I think they have a, a sound that's like no other, you know, and uh, musically, I think they have some great artists, you know, in that band, you know, and I think that's the reason why they've been able to have, you know, uh, people follow them for so long, because sometimes you get that same sound, it's generic or whatever, but they don't, and they stand out. They're very unique. Musician Alex Sater. Those fans you know, a lead guitarist, and you have, you know, a, a, a group that forms a coalition that, that makes a groove, right? Well, in, in the you have, uh, you have a guitarist who is a coalition that forms a groove, and everybody grooves over what the guitarist does. So they got it backwards. It's a unique sound, and uh, no one's even tried to do it, much less done it. The Who, now two following the passing of Entwistle and Moon, kicked off their first U.S. tour since the COVID-19 pandemic last Friday. This U.S. tour will be particularly notable for being the first time The Who will return to the city of Cincinnati since a tragedy in 1979 that claimed the lives of 11 people at Riverfront Coliseum. And at 
1954, we found the first bodies laying on the ground some 15 feet from the front doors. The bodies appear to have died of trauma. For anyone that fell to the ground, there was no way to get up. The crowd just walked over. There were some evidence of... The tragedy shook both the nation and fundamentally changed how concerts would function from that point forward. Despite being over 40 years ago, the event is still remembered by Ohioans to this day. My dad, Ron Allen. The tragic concert was just a regular concert. You know, no one had, I mean, we had no idea when anything had happened until we walk out of the building and every uh, media outlet that was around at the Times outside and all this is going on and we have no idea that what's happened. That was um, back before assigned seating, back when they had festival seating. Yes. I remember you've told me in the past that, like, concerts, you know, trying to um, rush to your, like, you know, find a seat was pretty chaotic. Can you describe that for me? Well, I only had one bad experience. When I was uh, stationed in El Paso, I would go up to Las Cruces, which is uh, New Mexico State University. And um, it was called The Pit. And you went through like a door. Everyone had to go through like it wasn't even a full double door. I went. And I saw Chicago at that time, and my feet were off the ground, probably fifty feet going through. That was the only time I was ever really worried about going through. And and they were having they had festival season. Yeah, yes, everyone had festival season at that time. WHIO's Chris Collins. I was I was working in Kenton, Ohio. It was my first radio job. And I was working 12-6 shift. guy named Tom was the evening guy. Well, he asked me the week before. He goes, hey, I got tickets for my friend. We're going to go down to Cincinnati and go to the Who concert. That's if you can cover my shift. I said, okay, because he had to owe me dearly. All right, so I was on the air at the time when the UPI news machine just went crazy. The bells were going off, and I thought, oh, my God, are we being attacked? You know, but I went down there, and I read the story, and I saw it, and I thought, first of all, I said, how's Tom doing? You know, because he went to that concert. He was at the concert. I could not believe, you know, that this was happening, you know, at Riverfront Coliseum. Because I'd been there before for hockey games and other, other, you know, uh, like concerts and things like that. You know, and I thought, what could have possibly happened with the festival seating? Well, the next day, he came back, obviously, and I asked him. I said, Tom, thank goodness you're okay. I said, did you know what was happening outside? He goes, he goes, no, man. He goes, I was too buzzed. He goes, I was inside. He goes, and they what played a set or something. He goes, next thing you know, you know, it was over. He goes, we didn't know what happened. Before he was an award-winning radio news anchor, WHIO's Jason Michaels was a reporter on scene. I was the news director for WCIN Radio back there, and I didn't even know the who was in town, quite frankly. Uh, in fact, uh, I began noticing funny talk on the police monitors, just but it just was language that sounded out of place like they were speaking in kind of clouded terms. I remember one of our sales guys going past the, the door to the newsroom. I, I kind of called out to him. I said, hey, Mike, what, what's going on down at the Coliseum tonight? And he said, uh, the, the who's playing down there tonight? I'm like, oh, okay. So I listened to, to the police monitors a little bit longer. And then uh, I heard a call for 15 ambulances. And I was like, 15 ambulances, holy crap, I better get down there. So I threw my, threw my jacket on and grabbed my two-way radio and my tape recorder and uh, probably broke every speed law imaginable in the state of Ohio getting from uh, Glenwood Avenue in Cincinnati down to Riverfront. But I remember arriving 
there on the scene. And the walkway between the Coliseum and Riverfront Stadium uh, was just strewn with uh, purses, shoes, you know, shirts, our jackets, articles of clothing. Uh, it, it almost resembled a war zone to me. The voice of the Buckeyes and former WLW radio reporter Paul Keels spoke with Roger Jaltry shortly after the event. Yeah, it was really kind of crazy. I got sent to the uh, downtown Stouffer's Hotel in Cincinnati, which everybody had kind of become aware that's where the Who were staying. And uh, by the time I got to the hotel, uh, a lot of national media had arrived in Cincinnati, as well as a lot of the local folks. And so myself and another radio reporter got in the elevator, went up to that floor, knocked on the door, not knowing what was going to happen. And the next thing you know, Roger Daltrey came out. And fortunately for me, it was him because I didn't know who any of the other members of the band were. Uh, the reaction was still kind of uh, shocked and stunned. Uh, he talked with us just for a few minutes about uh, they were not aware of what happened during the performance. When they came off stage prior to doing an encore, somebody had made them aware there had been a problem. Could they keep the encore short? which they did, and then when they came back after their encore, that's when they had been made aware of what had happened. And, you know, he was still very visibly upset. They were preparing to travel, I believe it was to Buffalo, to do a concert the very next night. And the one thing I do remember specifically that that Roger had mentioned, that if they, they hadn't decided if they were going to perform. It was either the, that night or the following night. And uh, he did say that if they did end up performing, it was going to be for those 11 people who were killed. Musician Alex Sater tells his story about when he was caught in the crowd at the entrance where it happened. There's two ways to get in. There's a aerial way, which is designed after going, essentially you go to a Reds game and you're up there on, you know, above street level, you know, going over Pete Rose Way, walking over these bridges. And um, that's how I got in. That's how, that's where it happened. It happened up there at that second level you know, between Riverfront and Riverfront Coliseum, right there where all the flags were. Whereas your dad went in downstairs on street level, you know, by, you know, by the, by the uh, river. So he, he could have gone there and had no idea what was going on. It was, that's what the whole story was, is getting in and the chaos of suing. But the doors to Riverfront opened, you know, from the inside out. So even if they wanted to open them, they couldn't have opened them because the people were pushing against them. Craziness, you know, uh, back and forth. Um, people like your dad and me weren't the tallest people on the planet. Uh, we were both off the floor, you know. We're, you know, we can't even touch the floor. That's, that's how out of control it was. And, um... um all of a sudden, you, you, it was a bad O'Reilly comes on. We're going, holy crap, there it goes, we're late. You know, and, uh, um, you know, I was so bad there. Uh, there's 20,000 people there, that's a that's a large venue. But I was there, I mean, I was there. I was touching the door there. I was touching that turnstile there. I was close enough to know that those doors opened up and didn't open in. There, I, uh, I, uh, I was at the ten feet of, of of everyone who was hurt, probably. Uh, so, uh, it's, you know, I, 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 a few people had the same perspective I did. 
But what can we learn from this tragedy? Uh, make sure you know how to get in and out of places. When you go to a place like that, look around. What would happen if? Where would I go? WHIO's Chris Collins. You know, it was unfortunate uh, that individuals died, you know, because of what happened. But when you think about it, but it, it has helped. You know, with the the outlawing of the festival seating, and we're not have we're not seeing what we saw at that time, where people were crushed. You know, in that mass of humanity, you know, making their yeah. way into that concert. You know, another thing you're talking about the Who coming back, they've been wanting to get them back in Cincinnati, but they would not perform at that arena because Roger Daltrey he said that was respect. You know, to those victims. You know, that night uh, and back in 1979, and he says that we're not going to go back to that venue out of that respect. He says, but now we're going to be able to come back. And he goes, and he goes, I hope it will help with the healing. It's important that we look back, learn, and remember what happened as we join The Who one more time in Cincinnati. Because seeing The Who is an experience like no other. K99's Nancy Wilson. I was never fortunate enough to see the original. I, I saw Kenny Jones. I always saw um, The Who with Kenny Jones several times. But uh, I feel Roger really interpreting pete's lyrics just that screaming he can do like nobody else and even now in his late 70s he can still hit those notes which is just amazing to, to see and to hear swinging the microphone like he does and you know pete doing the windmills the lyrics pete's lyrics you know and and i know that pete wrote most of everything and i love pete as a solo artist as well they they have they have meaning to them the Who concert in Indianapolis was an experience I never experienced in, uh, at any concerts, and I was probably at probably a hundred concerts in my life. People were singing with every song, and they loved it that we were doing. I mean, it was just you know, it was like we were part of the show. It was really, really great. Most concerts aren't like that. The Who are at the TQL Stadium in Cincinnati, May 17th. Get your tickets now. A special thank you to Nancy, Jason, Sarge, Chris, Mr. Keels, my dad, and Alex for making this segment possible. This week's song of the week, if you haven't guessed, is Bob O'Reilly, my favorite song by The Who. I'm Random Allen, and you're listening to Reels and Riffs on WWSU 106.9, Dane's Right Choice. Back in a moment. I